Hello and welcome back to the St. James Podcast. My name is Mike, I'm the rector, that means the priest with responsibility for the Anglican Church of St. James in Dundas, Ontario. Now our podcast has taken a break in the last month but uh, we're back right now to spend just a few minutes as we do each week or try to, uh, sharing some thoughts on the Bible reading of the week and the things that come out of it. Before we begin today, I just want to acknowledge how difficult this time is and how tired we all are and how frustrating it is not being able to gather in the same way and be with people we love. Our time of social distancing continues to bring into sharp focus as it keeps going on that importance of our togetherness and the difference that belonging and being in a community can make. And that's kind of what we're going to reflect on this week in a roundabout sort of way. Because this week in the church, we celebrate a feast called Corpus Christi. That's just Latin for the body of Christ. And it's a feast day begun in 1264 to celebrate that institution of of the Last Supper or the Eucharist, which for many Christians around the world is the central act of worship. And the reading we're going to hear is from the Gospel of Mark. It's kind of split into two pieces, but you'll find it in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, and it's verses 12 to 16 and then verses 22 to 36. So if you're in a place right now where you can make yourself still to enter into these words, I invite you to do so. Uh, You're welcome to follow along in your own Bible. Or just, uh, if you're busy right now, make space in your head to take this story to your heart. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. And so the disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. Now it was while they were eating that he took a loaf of bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day, when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all become deserters, I will not. And Jesus said to Peter, Truly I tell you, this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. 
But Peter said vehemently, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Well, in there, there's the story of the Last Supper that we know so well. And we hear it and we mark it every Maundy Thursday as the beginning of the Easter Triduum, that celebration of three days and great feasts over Easter. Maundy Thursday, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So why, you might well ask, do we have another feast day for it? Well, mostly because the Eucharist has such a massive meaning for the Church that goes beyond that uh, moment in the Easter story. In fact, it reaches back to the story of Israel, into Jesus' own ministry before this, and forward um, to his resurrection appearances and the practice of the early church, and our church forebears down the ages. And it's hard to scratch the surface of all that in the middle of Holy Week. I do, as we start talking about this, want to rant for a moment too, because this Eucharist, this holy thing, something that's been done by Christians down the ages, is also something that's become something of a political means to divide the church, the precise opposite of what it's meant to be. Some Christians distance themselves from others because they think their understanding of what's happening in the Eucharist is different, and because of that, all forms of prejudice between Christian denominations come into play. And to my mind, that means that a whole lot of people have failed to understand some of the basic meaning behind this shared meal and the depth and breadth of it. Well, the fact that there are simply so many names for this action is the first clue that we have in this meal a really deep moment for the church. For some, it's called the Lord's Supper, and it's a direct reference to that last supper that Jesus shared. But for some, it's called Holy Communion, that word communion, to be one with, a reference to the intimacy with God and one another that the celebration of eating together entails. Some call it the Eucharist. That's quite common in uh, Anglican circles. Um, and it's from a Greek word that means thanksgiving, reminding us of the action in this meal of taking this stuff and giving thanks to God and receiving back from God with thanksgiving and going to live with thanksgiving. And some people call this the Mass, and that's from an old Latin line that used to conclude the service and said, it ain't say, go on, get out, go away and do the work of God. You've been fed, you've had your meal, go. In the Anglican tradition, of which I'm part, uh, this is traditionally one of the two great, what's called dominical sacraments of the church. And dominical just means of the Lord. In other words, it's one of two particular actions that Jesus did that reveals God to us. One being this shared meal the other being baptism. Now, when we share this meal, there are so many connotations associated with it that give it meaning. We can think back when we start breaking bread to the meal of the Passover shared by the Jews, remembering the way that God rescued them from slavery. Or the manna that God gives to these people in the wilderness, a food that feeds the hungry. 
We might remember the action of Jesus prior to the Last Supper when he feeds the 5,000 and in that very moment takes, blesses, breaks and shares bread. And we know that soon after his resurrection and ascension, um, we, well, straight after his resurrection, we get Jesus breaking bread with the disciples on a, uh, a lakeside or on the road to Emmaus. And we know that the early followers of Jesus started sharing this meal right away after the resurrection and ascension. Some of the earliest writing we have from Christians, not in the Bible, uh, is about this meal. And some of the earliest art we have of Christians shows them sharing this meal. Well, during our time of pandemic, it's proved to be a real challenge for the church, especially those of us for whom sharing the Eucharist is kind of a main act of weekly worship, a spiritual touch point, uh, because we've had a lockdown and physical separation. Even with that, many of us have continued to celebrate the meal, even if we've had to watch it on a screen, even if it's been at a distance. Even if we can't physically eat the bread and drink the wine, we continue to do it because there's an understanding that what we're receiving isn't just a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine, but something far deeper and spiritual that cannot be bound by simple elements like bread and wine and actually is not bound by distance. Our God is not that small. Our imaginations might be, but God is not. What I'd like to do today is uh, just very briefly share eight points that give meaning to the meal and invite you this week just to take one, maybe for the week or one each day, and, and unpack it a little bit for yourself. Firstly, we share a meal because it's about love. You know, when you feed someone, you do it because it's a basic need. Giving someone their daily bread, that's what they need to grow, to be healthy, to be well. So the first thing we think about when we share this holy meal is that God gives us a meal because God loves us. And um, it's a gift. It's meeting us with real humanity. And that leads neatly into the second thing, which is feeding us is feeding us in ways that are far more deep than food. Think about those meals that we all miss when families could get together and friends could get together to celebrate. We didn't actually just get fed by the food. We got fed by the presence of other people. We got fed by the laughter and the music and the dance and the storytelling and all sorts of other things. So when we celebrate this meal, we are being fed spiritually. You know, we've got to tend our bodies. We've got to tend our minds. We also have to tend our spirits. And part of this meal does that. I think another thing that really is worth touching on here is that sharing the Holy Eucharist is about justice. Very simply, we share. All right, we take bread, which is usually one loaf or one round piece, and we break it up. And we say there is enough for all. Though there are many, we are one body because we all share the one bread. Um, and so it's an act of justice. And if we're going to mirror this meal in our lives and in the world, it means breaking open so that some you know, don't hoard and that our hands are open to share and that there is justice in so many things, more than just food, for all people. The Eucharist itself pours out wine, this kind of good stuff, the stuff of celebration, the stuff of blessing for everyone. No one is turned away. The fourth thing I want to talk about is how 
The meal is about God being bigger than we could ask or imagine. I think I touched on that a moment ago. It's not bound by uh, a little piece of bread and a piece of wine, but this same meal, one table, is shared the world over by Christians in all sorts of ways and cultures and languages uh, with different looks and feels and rituals. Uh, And it brings us together because God is bringing us together. God really is bigger than we could ask or imagine. And that communion doesn't stay at the table, but we take it with us. Literally, we receive it and we eat it and we become it. Which is leading neatly into the fifth point, that the Eucharist is about the physicality and reality of Jesus. How close and intimate does this godly friend want to be with us? The image of sharing body and blood, the very stuff of life and living, that's how close Jesus is with us. Uh, which is why it's it's a daily thing. We carry Christ in us. Sixthly, it's about making the church. There's actually a book called The Eucharist Makes the Church. Um, but the church is the sacrament. We receive Christ, we become Christ's body in the world. Because a sacrament is a place where the physical reveals the spiritual, makes it real. And so when we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we're really praying like through us, with us, in us, in our living. And so the sacrament passes from a chalice and a pattern or a plate and a cup to us and we carry it to the world. We're meant to help the world see the kingdom. Lastly, I think it's about being open to receive. Literally, to have this communion, you need to open hands and open your mouth, making a room for the food, but spiritually that's about opening ourselves to make room for christ it's like setting a table and saying you know christ is present with us at this meal we share it our daily life our daily living Uh, we open ourselves to share it to to be honest and vulnerable so i wonder what the meal means for you and if some of those points have struck you today and if you can you're very welcome to drop me an email sharing what the holy meal means to you because it can go on And I could go on for a lot longer, but I'll wrap up now and just say that until we can share the Eucharist again in person, may you continue to receive Christ and to be fed, to remember his love and to go with the strength and gifts that God gives you. Amen. (laughs) 